Hey, we are, um, we are in this new series that I'm real excited about because what we're doing is we're looking at what Jesus actually said about himself. And what's interesting is you'll hear a lot of things that people say who they think Jesus is. And, and if we're going to really understand the person of who Jesus is, we have to see what he said about himself. And what John does for us in the Gospel of John, he records for us these seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself and describes his character and who he is and that he is God and that this is why he came. And so he talks about being the light of the world and the bread of life and that he's the resurrection life, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the door, that he's the vine, that he's the good shepherd. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk today about Jesus being that good shepherd. So if you've got your Bibles or you can look up at the screen, I want to jump right into the word of God this morning. And I want to look at John chapter 10. And what we're going to do is we're going to discover Jesus speaking about himself. And I want to do, I want to have a little introduction, a a little foundation for these series, these seven series of messages that we're going to be discussing because um, these I am statements are very important because um, Jesus describes in himself exactly what his purpose for coming to earth is. And hopefully this will speak to your heart and your life and um, you can discover Uh, Jesus personally in your own life and how he wants to work in your heart and life each and every day. So I want to look at John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses um, 1 through 21 today. I want to, it's kind of a big chunk of scripture, but I want you to get a a, a good understanding of Jesus's words here, how he's the shepherd of his flock. And here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees that were there and the disciples that were around him. And he says this, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other, way, some other way, is a thief and a robber. And the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. And the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus knows your name? He knows you personally. And leads them out. And when he has brought them out, all on his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they still did not understand what he was telling them. And therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. That all who ever come before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. And I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come and go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And when the wolf attacks the flock, the, the flock and scatters it, and the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen, and I must bring them in. Also, and they too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and and, and one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me uh, loves loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it 
only to take it up again. And no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, the authority to take it up. This command I received from my father. And at these words, the Jews were divided. So many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can demons open the eyes of the blind. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that you would open up our eyes this morning, that we would clearly see who you are, that, God, if we're on the fence about you, that we would come into that fold, that we would hear your voice, that you are calling us. So open our hearts to receive from your word. We're so grateful for who you are, Jesus, and why you came. For we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen? Amen? I remember I had this conversation with... um, I was at a wedding, I was performing a wedding, and um, I was at rehearsal dinner, and I was at a table with people that I didn't know, Kathleen and I were at this table with people I didn't know, and there's, it was an interesting conversation I had with this one woman who was a graduate of Harvard uh, University, she had her uh, Master's of Divinity, and uh, she asked me a lot of questions, and so we began to have this open dialogue about um, the person of Jesus, and she had a lot of questions for me. And what was interesting about our conversation, here's somebody that had masters of divinity. Um, she studied the things about Christ. And the more we talked, the more I realized the, re- the, the less she really knew about the Jesus of the Bible. And her comment was really interesting listening to her understanding and view of Jesus. She had a concept of Jesus, of, of what she thought he was like. And um, she believed that he was just another great person who did a lot of good things in the name of God. But basically, he was no different from any other famous religious figure. That, that he was one of many religious figures that you could learn from. And what she believed is that Jesus could just make you a better person. So you can take some of the teachings of Christ Kind of a potpourri type of religion, right? Take a little over here, a little over there, and you take some teachings from Jesus. We can learn from there. You can take some teachings from this other religious figures, and we can and we can um, grow uh, from them. Um, but the issue is, what did Jesus say about himself? The only way we can truly know Jesus, understand him, is see what he said about himself. And that's why I believe these I am statements are so important, because how did he authenticate what he said? Did did he just say a bunch of words? Did he just tell us, hey, listen, I've come just to make you a better person? You know, did he he just come to to show us a way to God, like many other ways that people try to show ways to God? Or is he actually God? And these I am statements show that he actually is God. And as I continue to talk with this woman, I began to share with her what Jesus said about himself. And I said, here's what Jesus said in his own words. He said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And she goes, well, where's that in the Bible? I said, you're the one with the MDiv. You should know this, right? And I goes, you know, it's in the book of John. And she's like, really? That's an interesting thought. And I said, you know, Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. That Jesus didn't come for those that were well, but he actually came for those who were, who were sick. Now, now, this is a very exclusive statement that Jesus makes, but it's both exclusive and inclusive at the same time. Jesus claims to be the only way, yet at the same time, anyone can come to him. And here's the issue that we have to be very, very careful about. We can be very, very sincere, and I believe this woman was very, very sincere in her belief about Jesus. But how many know 
It's not about sincerity because you can be very sincere about something but be sincerely wrong. And this is what was dangerous about her thinking. See, she, she had a sincere understanding about Jesus, but she didn't really know what he said about himself. You see, Jesus came to save us. Jesus just didn't come to make you a better you. Jesus didn't come to make the 2.0 version of you, right? And sometimes I think we can, we can look at Jesus and say, well, I need Jesus because I just need to become a better person. My life is a wreck or I've made all these bad choices and Jesus seems like a really great guy and some of his teachings are really great. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, just latch on to some of these teachings because I need to become a better person. And if I think I'm good and that Jesus makes me better, I will miss the whole reason of why Jesus came. See, I need forgiveness. At the end of the day, I'm a sinner that needs forgiveness. And I I was thinking about this um, a couple weeks ago. I was, um, there was something wrong with our faucet in our our kitchen faucet. So um, the great handyman that I am, right? Um, I'm going under the sink looking around going, okay, what's going on down here? Just throw me some wrenches or something. Make me look good. I'll put my work belt on. I'll look like I know what I'm doing. So I'm going under there trying to, trying to figure out what was wrong. And all of a sudden, something came to me as I was thinking it, I was, as I was fixing um, the, probably making it worse, but as I was trying to fix the kitchen sink. If you look at your kitchen counter, today's design is like, Everything revolves around the kitchen, right? Nice countertops, you know, whether you've got Corian or granite countertops, and everybody's getting these nice sinks and nice faucets. And you look at your countertops, and it looks so nice. But it's interesting that we have doors to hide all the things that's under the countertop. So as I went under the countertop, you know, you've got rat traps underneath there. Hope you don't have rat traps. You've got you got cleanser underneath there. It's kind of moldy. You got the pipes underneath there, right? It's all it, it's 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 scuzzy underneath there. It's grimy. It's not pretty. You come out, you're a little dirty. But then you shut. You, we have doors. We we have things to close that off because we don't want people to see that. We want people to see the nice countertops, the nice farm sink, the nice faucets, right? That's what that's what when people come. Oh, what a nice kitchen. We take pictures of our kitchen and our remodeling we put them on facebook and instagram right and we say look at my nice kitchen everybody fouls each oh i love your kitchen what do you do with the blah blah you know that's my wife's into and then other people say oh look at the nice shelves you put over your kitchen how did you do that i said i did it me your husband i get no credit for that but anyways that's okay and uh so we do but we don't we don't take pictures of what's under I've never yet seen an Instagram picture or a Facebook shot of someone opening up underneath, seeing the rat traps underneath the kitchen counter. Why? Because we don't want anybody going there. See, here's the problem. If we think Jesus just came to save good people, we've totally missed why he came. If we think Jesus just came to make me a better person, that I start off good, and then he's just going to make a new 2.0 version of me... We've missed it. You see, Jesus came for what's underneath the sink. Jesus came for the ugliness of our lives. He didn't come just to make things better or to make or improve it. He came because we needed a savior and we were a wreck. See, we start off as sinners that need a savior. We don't start off good and then Jesus makes us better. We start off alienated from God. 
And so when Jesus came, he began to speak of why he came, that he knew people needed a savior. If I don't get to the point in my life where I realize that I need a savior, that I'm going to spend the whole rest of my life trying to become a better me. And how many know that's an ugly pursuit? Because you'll never, you'll never get there. Because once you conquer something, something else will come along to harm you or you'll make a bad decision or you'll do something wrong. See, Jesus came to completely reconstruct us so that we could become new creations, not just create a 2.0 better version of Barden. Jesus came to make Barden a new creation, and that's why Jesus came. And so, many, so much teaching that I see today that I see on television or what's taught is like, well, we believe Jesus is a good guy. And we believe he has a lot of good teachings. If you want to follow Jesus, they're good for you. You know, and I hear that so much. If you need, you need, you need a Jesus to help you out of your addictions and all those things, good for you. No, there's so much more than that. We're all sinners. We all need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. And for this woman that I talked to, that's what I explained to her. That Jesus just isn't a good teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He was God himself who came to earth to forgive us of our sins and show us back to the way to the Father. And without Christ, we're lost. See, as much as, much as people would like to put Jesus on the same playing field as other religious figures and say that there are many ways to God, Jesus did not give us that option. One of my favorite quotes concerning the person of Christ is from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. Let me read this to you because I love this quote. C.S. Lewis says this brilliant quote, one of my favorite quotes. He says, am I trying... I, I, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish things that people say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man who said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a, uh, either be a lunatic on the same level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him. You can kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and claim him Lord and God. But let us not come with the patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So when we look at the person of Jesus Christ and the statements of Jesus Christ, Jesus never gave us the option that he was a way to God or never gave us the option that, that he was just a good moral teacher. What we're going to see in these I am statements is Jesus actually is God that wants to change your life. And so these, these statements are so significant. And the reason why they're so significant is Jesus is claiming divinity and oneness with God. And so when Jesus says, I am, for the Jewish listener at the time, they would have, this would have raised some eyebrows and this would have piqued some interest and this would cause some problems. And why would this statement of Jesus saying, listen, I am the good shepherd be so controversial? Well, this statement is reminiscent of what God told Moses at the burning bush when Moses asked God, who should I tell them sent me? And so God raises up Moses and says, listen, I want you to deliver my children out of Egyptian bondage, which they've been in bondage for over 400 years, and I want you to lead them out. And Moses says, well, what, who do you want me to tell them sent me? 
And this is how God responds to Moses. So when Jesus uses these I am statements for the Jewish listener, this is going to perk their interest. Because when you use the word I am, you're claiming to be God. Seven times John records for us that Jesus says, I am, I am, I am. And so for the Jewish listener, they're going to be like, who does this guy think he is? Does he think that he's God? And so God wanted to use Moses to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And so this is what God says to Moses in Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God is sending you. That's all you need to tell them. And so God told Moses, this is what you will tell them. I am. And so in John chapter 8, the Pharisees, the religious people at the time, asked Jesus, who do you think you are? And this is what Jesus says. If anybody has a question about Jesus or that Jesus never claimed to be God in the Bible, you turn them right to John chapter 8. Here's what Jesus says about himself. There is no question that Jesus claims divinity. Jesus is just not some other good guy. He is God. Can I get an amen? I know it's early. It's still, what, 8 o'clock, okay? So it's early. So John 8, 59, or 58 through 59 says this. He says, truly, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, what? There it is. Now, Abraham's the father of their faith. So he's claiming superiority over what? Abraham. So he says, I am. At this, here's how we know that Jesus was claiming divinity. Because at this point, what what did they do? They picked up stones, and what were they going to do? They're going to throw it at him. Why were they going to try to kill him? Because this was a blasphemous statement. He was claiming equality with God. And if anyone did that, the law said, listen, you can stone them. So that's why they picked up stones. And so Jesus slips away uh, from, from the temple grounds. And so by using this present tense, I am, Jesus was claiming to be transcendent over time that could only be attributed to God. And this is why they picked up stones and wanted to kill him, because this would be blasphemy to claim to be God. And so the I am statement shows, here's what the I am statements show. And this is what God wanted to say to Moses as he goes to the Israelites to deliver them out of Egyptian bondage, which is so symbolic of God delivering us out of our own sin, that they needed a savior. And so these I am statements show a loving, caring God who is close to us and willing to help us and and willing to fulfill God's calling in our life. The I am statements shows a personal close God that is not distant, that is not far away, that is close to our suffering and, and when we hurt. In fact, the translation for I am in the Hebrew language can also be translated, I will be. I will be with you. This is a promise that God gives to us that he will never leave us or forsake us. The I am God is always with you. I am your good shepherd. I am your gate. Make it personal. 
God desires to have a personal relationship with you through his son, Jesus. And see, that's what makes Jesus' I am statements so powerful. They're just not statements about himself and what he is called to do, but actual statements about his deity and him being a God and part of this perfect relationship in the Trinity. Jesus in his I am statements is claiming to be the same God who spoke to Moses at the burning bush. So let's jump into this this statement about his identity in John chapter 10. So there's the foundation of all the I am statements that we're going to be studying over the next seven weeks. But let's look at what he said about being the good shepherd. And I want you to notice something here in, in John chapter 10. Jesus doesn't say, I am a, a good shepherd, but he says, the good shepherd. He distinguishes himself from all others. He distinguishes them from any other person who claims to be this caring God. He says, no, I am the good shepherd. In fact, the Greek word kalos translated good means noble, wholesome, and beautiful. Jesus is emphasizing his innate righteousness. He is not in it for himself. He is here to protect, lead, and provide for his flock. Listen, this is so good. When you come into the fold of God through Christ Jesus, when you come through the door of Jesus Christ, you are now under the covering of God himself where he protects you. That's where I want to be. There's, can I get an amen? Is everybody awake? Are we awake? Okay. Let's all hand out coffee right now. Wake up. Listen, this is where you want to be. You want to be in that protection, the fold of Christ Jesus, where we are protected, where there's loving care for us. And so Jesus is making a difference between himself and those religious leaders, the Pharisees. They are like the hireling, Jesus says, who is a hired hand. They are the ones who don't really care about the flock. When something bad happens, they just scatter. And most shepherds did not own their flocks. Yet a good shepherd would exercise the same care and concern that an owner would, in contrast to someone that was hired or a hireling who would only be in it for themselves. And so Jesus distinguishes himself from a hireling who's only in it for himself and a good shepherd. And so what Jesus explains, this is what a good shepherd does. This is who Jesus is. This is the character of Christ. And so what makes Jesus a good shepherd? Let me just give you a couple things here. And, and what makes Jesus a good shepherd, I believe, is explained for us in Psalms 23. How many of you love Psalms 23? I love Psalms 23. And this explains, David writes on what a good shepherd does. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this very psalm. Psalms 23 says this. It says, the Lord is my what? I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in Ooh, this is getting good, right? He leaves me beside. He restores my. He guides me in paths of. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell. I love this promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. 
See, when you're in the fold, when you're in the flock, when you're in the pen of Christ, we have these promises of God that says we will be with God forever, that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. So what's the first thing that we can see about a good shepherd? Well, a good shepherd, what he does is he actually loves his sheep. He loves them. He loves the sheep. And here's why does... I always wondered why... God called us sheep, right? Now, we, we look at sheep, and we think they're cute. I always had this memory of growing up in church, and when I was growing up in church, when you walked into the foyer or the narthex of a church, there's a big stained glass window, and um, there was Jesus, the good shepherd, on stained glass, where Jesus was carrying the lamb around his shoulders. Anybody remember that, that picture of Jesus with the lamb around his shoulders? I was, as a kid, that's just burning my memory, like Jesus is carrying for this lamb, whether it was lost and it was the 99 and he seeks out the one and brings him home or he's caring for that lamb. This is the picture that I get. And we usually think of, of sheep as grazing in the pasture and it's very picturesque, right? But in reality, um, sheep are the most unintelligent animals in the world. They are so stupid. And here's what we know about, about sheep. And the reason why we see this is I don't see many people trying to train sheep. You know, we understand we can train a horse, we can train dogs, we can train a donkey. I don't think we can train cat. I think cats train us. That's what I think about cat. They train us. Um, can you imagine riding a sheep down through the Grand Canyon? Right? Would anybody do that? No, if you know anything about sheep, you wouldn't do this. See, see, because they just follow everybody else, right? And they would go right off. You would just have a nice 3,000-foot dive off the side of the Grand Canyon. See, the only way to make a, a sheep play dead is to actually shoot them. I wouldn't re- that was mean, wasn't it? I wouldn't recommend that, but, you know, that's how you would make them play dead. So sheep, what we know about sheep is they are completely helpless. They are utterly defensive, that would have been a good cow joke. They're utterly defensive. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, that was bad. All right. Okay, that was bad. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, we know we know this about sheep that they wander off. That's why they need the protection of the shepherd. They they follow other sheep into danger without knowing it. They and and they just they stink. Sheep just stink. They, they know how to clean themselves, but guess what? They don't. And that's what the oil is talking about when they would come into the sheep pen. The, the, the shepherd would have to take care of them and look underneath their fleece to see because they could get easily sick and get parasites and they would use the oil for healing and so on and so forth. They just can't take care of themselves. They're stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. Look at your neighbor and say, I think pastor's talking about you right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, so... He, listen, this, this is the description of us. They, they get wedged between two rocks and they won't back up. You know, they beep, beep, beep. They won't back up. Uh, they are so stubborn that they'll keep wedging themselves in even more. That's why they need a shepherd. The bottom line is sheep are a pain in the fanny. They're just a pain. They're a lot of work. They're like watching a two-year-old. Isn't that fun, right? They're just into everything. And that's why they need a shepherd. See, what is so ironic about the characteristic of a sheep is sheep are what we are compared to. And the only way sheep can survive is with a shepherd. Somebody watching over them. The only way we can make it is with a savior. And so we're compared 
to sheep for a reason because we are helpless. We are filthy because of sin. We are stubborn, wanting to do things our own way. We make bad decisions. We follow others who have gotten us into trouble. How many of you have ever followed somebody else and you've gotten yourself into trouble? Right? Be honest, right? Maybe you're in college or in high school and there's that one friend you had that was always just pushing the envelope and you're like, hey, let's do this. And you're like, you knew it was a bad idea. And you're like, okay. And then after you look at it, you're like, that was a really bad idea. I remember when I was about eight years old, my friend and I, we had railroad tracks that ran behind our house. So my friend and I had this great idea that we're going to, as the train goes by, we're going to yell all the swear words that we know, which were about two. All right. So we're in the back and the train's going by and the train's making all the noise and we're just yelling the two swear words we know or three words. And all of a sudden, when the train passed by, we look back and there's my friend's mom right there. And so my, she's like, you are in big trouble. And he was just saying, Mom, I only use the words you use. No, I'm just, uh, that didn't help the situation. Um, and so he got his mouth washed out with soap. And I think my parents gave me the what were you thinking speech. Like, what were you thinking? What, what, you know, you don't use those words. And so you, you, how many know we follow many times? We, we make bad decisions because we follow what other people are doing many times. And we think that's a good thing. And it's very unwise. You see, sheep need a shepherd. We need a savior. Yet with all this, with all our imperfections and our waywardness, Jesus still loves us, and he knows we need a Savior. And this is what makes him such a good shepherd, is that he still loves us. That he was willing to give our lives for our stubbornness, our waywardness, the filthiness of our sin. Jesus was still willing to give his life for the sheep because he knew this was the only way that we could come into the fold and be protective. The second thing I want you to see is not only does he love us, but, but as a good shepherd, he provides for his sheep. I love that God provides for us. David shares in Psalm 23 how God provided for us. We lack nothing. We rest in green pastures. We are led by still waters, and we are restored. You see, in order for sheep to be able to actually lay down and be able to rest, three things have to occur. And or because they're jittery, they're walking around. In order for them to actually lay down in green pastures, to feel secure, three things have to, have, have to happen. They have to be well fed. They have to be getting along. They have to be getting along, and they have to feel safe. When those three things occur, they will lay down. And so the job of the shepherd is to make sure that they're well-fed, that they're all getting along, and that they feel safe. Because when they hear his voice, they know that voice, and that voice speaks to them, and they know that they're secure. If they hear some other voice, they will run. But they hear that voice, and they feel safe, and they feel protected. And that's the third thing I want you to see is that being a good shepherd that Jesus is, he protects his sheep. Not only does he love us and he provides for us, but he also protects his sheep. Jesus says, listen, I am the door for the sheep. And I love this picture because it speaks of protection and safety from the enemy. Now, when, with our thinking, we look at a, a sheep gate or we, we look at a fenced-in area because we live in western New York. So we just, you let sheep just graze all over the place. 
But when you, when you go to the east and you look at, at, at how they would pasture sheep, they would have to take them wherever green grass because it's a very arid area. So there's no protection against predators. So that's why the shepherd was there, to protect them. He had a staff. He could beat off uh, a, a, an animal that would try to kill one of the sheep. And at night, that's when they were most vulnerable. And so what the, what the shepherd would do is if they were out in the pasture and they weren't able to come back in the town, there was these sheep gates. And basically all they were were these rock enclosures. I don't know if you've ever watched any documentaries or show about Africa and the way if you're out in the bush, the only way they can protect themselves is to have these thorn bushes and they put them all together. I was watching one show and the guy says, are we going back to the camp? He says, no, we're going to camp right out here amongst the lions. He goes, we are amongst the lions. He said, yeah, but we're going to be protected because we're inside of this thorn bush area and the lions won't go in there because of the thorns and so we're going to go in here and we're going to be protected i would have not got a wink of sleep all night if that was the case i'm like these little thorns are going to protect us from these big lions okay whatever you say right but what the what the shepherd do is lead them in to these rock enclosures and this would protect them but here's the thing that the shepherd would do and i love this these gates had no door for protection. And so what the shepherd would actually do is he would use himself as the gate. He would actually get down and use his own body and lay in front of that gate so nothing could come in and harm the sheep. He would give his own life and his own body and protection for the sheep. See, this is the picture that I want you to see about Jesus He lays his life down for his sheep. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus knew the only way to save us was by giving his life for us. The only way to protect us, the only way that we can find life is by actually laying his body down for you and I. That's why we celebrate communion. Because it's Jesus laying his life down as a perfect sacrifice for you and I. He's a good shepherd. He loves you. He cares for you. And he protects you. He protects you from the enemy. And the thing it is, is Jesus just doesn't want you to know about these things. He actually wants to know you. That's why he's a good shepherd. That's why, listen, listen, listen. That's why when he would speak his voice, the good shepherd, not the hireling, the sheep would know his voice because they could trust him. You can trust the Lord. He just doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. There was this story that I read. And, um, It was a story about a drama professor. He had a class of students and he wanted them to read the 23rd Psalm, but he wanted to read it with with drama and and he wanted them to speak it like they were an actor. And so the drama professor said, I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm and I, I want you to read it this way. And so when he read the 23rd Psalm before the class, you know, he, he, he said, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in what? And he read it so well and so eloquently that when he got done, the whole class got up and just applauded. So then what he did next is he picked the quietest, shyest person in the whole room to come up and read it next. And this person was terrified because he's never gotten up in front of the class before. And he said, what if I don't do it right? And so he was nervous. He began to sweat. He began to get nervous. He began to perspire. And all of a sudden, he gets up there. And he begins to read the 23rd Psalm in front of the class. But as he began to read it, he began to think 
of all the things that Jesus had done for him and what a good shepherd he was to the point where he became overwhelmed with emotion and through tears he finished the psalm and when he got done no one was clapped no one got up but everybody was crying and the professor gets up and this is what he said he said there you have it I knew the psalm but this young man knows the shepherd see Here's my question to you. You could read the Bible all day long until the cows come home. And it can be all up here. But do you know them? That's my prayer for this young woman that I had the conversation with. She, she somehow studied the Bible indirectly. She thought he was this way, but that's not who Jesus was. Jesus came. So that he could know you personally. Do you know the shepherd? Does When you read the word of God, does he speak to your heart? Do you know Jesus? Do you sense him? Are you overwhelmed with emotion when you read it, when you hear it? Does, does he touch your heart? Do you realize he's for you? Do you realize that he's good? Do you realize that he, he wants to provide for you? Do you realize that he's his protection? Do you ever talk to somebody that just knows Jesus and you're like, that person knows Jesus? They have this intimate personal relationship with the Good Shepherd. Here's the thing Jesus desires to be your I am in every situation of your life. He wants to be the I am right in the midst of your trouble, your heartache, your suffering. He says, Come to me, find rest. Some of you here today, you are so stressed out. I'm a little more stressed out because the power was out, okay? And we're so stressed out. How many of you know we need to come back to that good shepherd and lean on him? Listen, here's what happens. We try to do things on our own and then we get stressed out, don't we? And Jesus says, why don't you just come to me? I'm here all the time. I haven't gone anywhere. I want to give you rest. I want you to know my love. And through those difficult things in your life, through the trials that you go through, I want you to discover personally, not just up here, but here, that I am your good shepherd, that I will provide for you. Listen, some of you here today, you need a provision from the Lord in your life. I'm here to tell you that the good shepherd desires to provide what you need in your life. He wants you to come to him and discover that he is the I am. He knows what you're going through, but you got to come to him and stop doing it your own way and allow him to provide for you. So this is what we're going to do. As we close in song today, our prayer partners are going to be up front as we sing this closing song. I'm going to be very specific here in, in what I desire for you today. If there's something that that, that you just need provision for in your life that you're going through. I don't care if it's health or financial or whatever it is. There's something that you just need prayer for today. We are going to be up front and we want to pray for you and rely on the Good Shepherd to provide whatever it needs to be providing your life. That walk of faith for you to come down is a step of faith saying, God, I believe that you're going to provide for me in this situation. I want to pray about this and I'm going to believe that you're going to do it because you are the Good Shepherd. Can I get an amen? Okay? There's faith on our part that has to reach out to him. So reach out to him. Come to him. Allow him to provide. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to come. 
But you got to come. So I want us to stand this morning. We're going to pray. The band's going to come. We're going to, we're going to close in song. We'll be up front. We'll pray with you. If there's something that, that you need to provision in your life, whatever it may be, that the good shepherd would meet that as we pray for you. Let's pray. Let's believe. Let's pray right now. God, we come before you right now. God, you know what the need is. You know what our, our, our need is before we even speak it. And God, so we, as we come now, we pray that you would provide that need for us, that we would lie on the good shepherd, whether it's a spiritual need, a physical need, a financial need, whatever that need might be, God. Lord, we're going to rely on you to meet that need as we just come to you in prayer. So we thank you for this time. We thank you that you're a perfect, perfect, good father that knows everything we need, but we need to come to you. We need to give that thing to you, God, and believe by faith that you will provide, Lord, because you are faithful. So meet our needs today, God, as we just come to you and we sing this to you, God. Thank you for being that good father, that perfect shepherd. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come. If you need prayer, come. And let's sing this to the Lord. God bless you.